On Giddy Up, Facing the Breeze, with Anthony Butt and Jack Trainer. Thanks to Garrett Horson Hound for all of your equine essentials. Anthony Butt and Jack Trainer join us. We talk some harness racing. Ants, hello to you. Yeah, good morning, Gareth. G'day, Jack Trainer. Yeah, good morning, boys. First of all, Saturday night, what a night it was, Ants. You were there at Tebcourt Park, Melton. I think it's one of the better nights that I've ever been at when it comes to watching these wonderful standard brads do battle, but it was just a terrific night all round there at Melton Saturday night. Your thoughts? Yeah, they had a great crowd, Gareth. The weather was brilliant. You know, great horses on show. And, you know, if those nights ain't going to attract the people, nothing will. So really great racing too, you know, delivered in our spades. Call Me The Breeze was too good for Just Believe. Did that surprise you with the way that horse performed there? We all know his credentials coming from France and he's probably the best perform, as you pointed out on this show a few weeks ago, the best performed Northern Hemisphere trotter to arrive here in Australia. But... He was exceptional there on Saturday. Yeah, it probably wasn't a, a big surprise. He had to race up to his the best of his ability, and he did, and he got, got a good run, and, um, you know, just believe, just had to work that sort of first four or 500 metres, and, you know, it was a great battle up the straight. So, um, you know, a, a really exciting race to watch, and uh, I, was, I was in it, so I didn't get to see too much of it. But, yeah, they, uh, you know, just shows that, uh, you know, what great horses they are. And Nathan Jack Jack Trainer was at his very best. I think he was confident and bullish about the chances of Call Me the Breeze. But first of all, he chose Barry number 10. And that was a genius move in the end because after you compete in the first couple of heats and you qualify for the final, then it's a Barry draw, similar to what they do, say, before the Cox Plate. So you get to pick your own draw out. And as the draw goes on and on, it gets a little bit more tactical. So he had options either to go six or seven but he decided to go outside that second row. And in the end it worked because those horses that drew outside that front row went forward and had to do too much work. Like just believe Jack. Yeah, that's right. Gareth in the, in the end, that was probably the winning of the race, I suppose was Nathan's choice of barrier. And like you said, it just meant that he didn't have to do that early burn. He got a really good run through, avoided trouble early and got a great run through and, um, like Ann said, it was probably, to me, watching it at Menangle, it was probably one of the most exciting races I've seen in a very long time. Mm. I, I don't know if um, Dan Malecki's call made it that more exciting, but for two great, such great horses going, you know, nose to nose the whole way up the straight, it was, it was a great race to watch as a fan. And I don't think Just Believe lost any admirers no. either. He, you know, he, you could just see how hard he was trying the whole way up the straight. And, yeah, it was probably, one, like I said, one of the better races I've seen in the last couple of years. I love that elite lot format with the, the Great Southern Star. I know there was a little bit of confusion amongst some participants thinking that if you, the quicker that you went or the, the, the horses that win their their heat, they get to choose their own barrier draw ants. Do you like the way that it's done now compared to what they used to do it? So if you were the fastest qualifier, then you would be able to choose which barrier you, you wanted for the final. But they changed it around because there was too many short price favourites in the final. Do you like the way that they do it now? Yeah, I think it's pretty good, Gareth. As you said before, when they were doing it the other way, you know, the the heat winners were getting the first choice of the draws and yeah. they were generally, generally picking one and two. So it was just stifling the betting and um, the way they're doing it now, it, you know, adds a bit of excitement, a bit of intrigue. And now I think it's working really well. Um, and I think it works like, a, I think the theatre of the, the great Southern star ants, when you've got, the two heats and then you're trying to work out which horses will get through those heats. And if they 
um, have pulled up okay. I, I think the theatre of it makes it so intriguing. Yeah, and, you know, I was sort of involved in it, Gareth, in both heats, and there's a connections, you know, they're on tender hooks after the second heat, yeah. just waiting for the times to come up and seeing if they're going to get in or not. So, yeah, it was really exciting, and uh, it's just something different too. So, you know, I think it's working really well. And I think it's been a great move from HRV, Jack, to have the Great Southern Star and the Hunter Cup on the on the same night. They used to have it on different nights, and I don't think that the, the standard breads, well, the trotting gate, um, were like, I, I thought they got left behind just a little bit because the Hunter Cup's always been the sport's biggest night. But I like I like those two races on the same program. Yeah, I, I think they pair up well, Gareth. It, it gets the, the big crowd. And um, like you said, the crowd probably wouldn't be as big in size following the trotters, but the people that are there to watch the Hunter Cup um, get to witness such a great concept like that too. And I don't know, I think after this year's running of the Great Southern Star, I think it'll get even more heat behind it next year. And I think it'll be a race that, you know, and down the track, if it's run the way it was this year, it might overtake something like a Hunter Cup. All right, boys, I've got a couple of questions for you. We're going to get a little bit controversial here. So strap yourselves in. Ants, would leap to, leap to fame, and I'm trying to educate people here, and especially the people that have been in this game for a lot longer than I, and I respect these people, Ants. I totally respect them, but... We do need to move with the times. And now my opinion could be wrong. And if I am wrong, I apologize. But would Leap to Fame have turned up for the Hunter Cup if he was coming off a 10 or 20 meter handicap, understanding start conditions? Yes or no? Um, if I had to make a decision, I would say no, Gareth. Yes. But not saying that's a good thing. But uh, yeah, like as I said, it, we've seen it in the past when it was a standing start. You know, some of the better horses did give it a miss. So. There's fours and again, so I'm personally for the stands. I think it makes, you know, a lot more exciting racing. But you do run the risk of, uh, you know, some of the, the greats not turning up because um, they, they're off a handicap. But, you know, the way around it is probably have a, a setback mark, you know, maybe 10 metres or 15 metres, you know, so they're not going to get the 30 metres, that kind of thing like they used to in the old days. So I'd like to see it return to a stand, but you're right. Um, some of the greats could miss it. Yeah, so Jack, would Leap to Fame have started if he came off a handicap? Uh, I'd probably say no too, Gareth. I'd say if all the other big races coming up, uh, that probably would be one that he'd miss all right, then. if he was having to start off a handicap. But I'm sort of against that. So I, I like the mobiles. I think that the stands are a thing of the past and you know they're awful, especially if you're trying to bet on them, but maybe a little bit better at the higher level. But um, I think the mobiles are the way to go. Yeah, well, like, so it's the standing starts. People go on oh, the New Zealand Cup and they're better turnover races. They're not better turnover races. I think that's why they've been abolished in Victoria because research showed you that before they were abolished, 20%, um, it was a decrease in uh, the difference between, say, the mobiles and the stands was 20%. Um, so you get a stand, for instance, like a New Zealand Cup, and they say, well, the races would be a lot more entertaining, all right, if it was a standing start. Like Saturday's race would be more of an, a spectacle if it was a standing start. Um, but the New Zealand Cups have been standing starts and they've been ball fests. It's been two horse race. There've been two horse races and whoever's been able to get to the front and the perfect example in a way was Swayze there and a coup de last, last time around, or it's been um, copy that or self-assured and whoever's got to the front's won the race ants. 
So I think if you handicap a mobile, you can make it a far more entertaining race. But standing starts, I can't understand why people think that um, they would be more, it would be more of an entertaining race. Yeah, well, I think that, that what they do, Gareth, is the unknown factor. Like, you know, we all seen the barrier draw the other day and, you know, you, everyone gets your speed maps going and that kind of thing. And it, and the race becomes quite predictable, you know, before and you sort of know he's going to lead early. And as we said last week, you know, catch away was probably going to lead early. And then, you know, it was a 50-50 call whether he handed up to lead the fame. So the stands do un, uh, add the unknown factor and the unpredictability. But um, you're right, you know, like, you know, if we could handicap the mobile somehow, it would be sensational. But no one's been smart enough to come up with the idea yet. But Well, it's not that um, hard. It's not that hard. You could, could like, the, the other question is, would, would Leap to a Fame Jack turned up if he drew outside the second row because he was handicapped, because he was the best horse in the race? Do you think he would turn up under those circumstances? Well, he'd probably more more chance of rolling the dice, but, you know, I, I don't think that you should be handicapping horses at, in group one races and ha- at the highest level, you know, all yeah. it's doing is, probably trying to trying to ruin our champions or or you know discriminate against the champion horses i think sure going through the grades that's what the the rating systems and that are there for but i think once you're in the grand circuit races and that it should just be random barrier draws all around i don't think we should be making it any harder for our champions than than what it already is i think there's a place jack that if you feel like the ag hunter cup's been a great handicap but i reckon if you make the victoria cup the premier race like the the cox plate you make it a half a million and then you can make the hunter cup or vice versa, whatever. But you, the random barrier draw is for the half a million dollar race. But if you want to have a handicap race, then you can still treat it like the Melbourne Cup and the best horse gets the top weight and the horses down in grade get an advantage with carrying less weight. And I think you can do that with the draws and you can give the mares an allowance in these type of races as well. Because we saw in the Victoria Cup, Ants, if the barrier draw works out in a way like it did, and you've got horses like a rock and roll dude that wants to hold out leap to fame and there's some gate speed off the front, then boy, it's an entertaining race. And that you, you tell me a, a, a race that um, was a better spectacle than that Victoria cup for quite some time. Yeah, you're right, Gareth. Yeah. As I said, it all comes down to how the marbles fall. And, yeah. you know, we see some, some of these country cups, you know, the, the hot favorite draws too, and going to lead and goes around a dollar 20 sort of thing. So, We've got to try and avoid that. But, yeah, as I said, it's just luck of the draw. And the Eureka was a little bit the same where the barriers fell really good with the favourites and, you know, made it a bit more exciting. So, yeah, I guess it's just luck of the draw. And it's hard hard to come up with a system that sees everybody. But I, I do agree with Jack. I said once you get to that real elite level, yeah, you know, it should be you know, free for all with the draws and that kind of thing. And, you know, every man takes a ch- chance, every man and woman takes their chance and, uh May the best horse win. Now, I got criticised yesterday when I was chatting to Darren Carroll and whoever, a few of the listeners made a good point. Gareth, how can you have an opinion because you haven't even driven a horse or trained a horse? And that's a fair enough opinion as well. So I take that on board. And But I am a journalist that asks a lot of questions to trainers. And I'll ask you two um, leading horse people. Um, there's no doubt about that. My argument was that the North American breed has changed the way that these horses are in this country and it's and just 
it's it's harder for these horses to get them to stand because of the the, the, the way that the breed has changed. Ants, I'll start with you and then go to Jack. Is that a fair enough assessment or do you think that if you put in more stands that these horses um, would be able to cope with the standing starts if you gave them more practice? Yeah, it's a valid question, Gareth. And um, yeah, things have changed. And I just, I was watching an old video the other day of a New Zealand Cup, you know, back in the 80s. And yeah. it was amazing how different the stands were then to, ha- to the, how they are today where, you know, they stood and they come up to the barrier and stood for, oh, you know, 20, 30 seconds and um, standing dead still. Where nowadays they, it's more of a walk in and they let them go. So things have changed. The breed's changed. and But I no, I think you, you could educate them to, you know, most horses um, to get away from a stand. But as, you know, Jack said, do we want to go down that track or not? It's um, probably a decision for smarter people than us. But, mm. you know, right. just... just Adds a little bit of variety to the races that's sometimes lacking in the mobiles. Jack? Yeah, I think probably the breed's definitely got a little bit hotter in that as well, but it, uh, probably one thing, the major thing now is that the racing style has changed now. Back years ago, there was, you know, a lot of standing starts available, so it wasn't wasn't foreign territory to them. Like, we had a horse coming from an angle where it predominantly races over a mobile mile, and then all of a sudden, after 30 starts, you chuck it in a 2,700-meter stand. You know, of course, they're going to not know what's going on or be a bit on their toes. So I think that the way the racing is in whole now, that probably has a big part to do with it as well. And maybe us younger folks, the trainers, and that just aren't quite as good as we think we are anymore either. Yeah, well, imagine trying to get catch a wave to stand up at the standing start. So, um, yeah, it is a changing landscape, but it's a... It's a debate that will keep on coming up, but I think that we need to have more 1,200-metre races, for instance, Ants. I enjoyed that spectacle there on Saturday night, um, and I would like to see we go – I'd like to see more of those type of races, Ants. Yeah, they've actually taken off a bit, Gareth, haven't they? And, um, you know, most people have, you know, putting horses in them, and, yeah, it's just another string to the bow of, of harness racing, I guess. And, no, I, I don't mind them. We've raced a few in them, and – I've driven in quite a few of them, and yeah, they're just something different. And um, as I said, people love them. You know, they're short and sharp, and uh, there's generally a bit of action. So, no, I think they got a place, definitely. Leap to Fame goes to the Cranbourne Cup, I think, on Saturday night, which is terrific for the sport, especially in that precinct, which is these days the biggest precinct for the Gallops with that training complex there at Cranbourne at the moment. Um but having a look at the Miracle Mile market with Bet365, the world's favourite online betting brand, Leap to Fame 250, Don't Stop Dreaming at 5 and Hi, My, Na- Hi, my Name is Jeff is at $5. Then we go to Catch a Wave, Frankie Ferocious, Better Eclipse, Hot and Treacherous, Merlin, Narano, Swayze, I don't think will be there. Jack, we've seen it a few times with horses like Lazarus and the like that have been dominating the longer distance races. Then they come to Menangle and it's just a completely different ball game. Um, is he most vulnerable leap to fame in a miracle mile because he oh, he's got gate speed but he's not um he's not blistering from the mobile do you think that he's most vulnerable during a mile at Menangle? yeah i think so gareth I, not to take anything away from him but probably his form showed even in those breeders challenge races as a 3 and 4 year old uh, when a horse like my ultimate Ronnie was able to park him and that just by purely having more gate speed than him that, you know, those races come down to the wire. And uh, if he did happen to roll to the front or get a, a sweet 1-1 trip or something, no doubt he's good enough to win it. But I think 
Menangle Mile would definitely be his toughest test to date. And on those sort of odds, I, I think the good value there is that don't stop dreaming on, on his run yes. was unbelievable on um, Saturday night. If he does target the Miracle Mile, I think I'll be taking the $5 for him at the moment. They won't be beating him on Saturday. I think he goes around there at Menangle Lance. Don't stop dreaming. So Mark Purden's not scared to back him up. He was a big run there in the AG Hunter Cup. Yeah, he looks an exciting star for the future, Gareth. He's already a great horse, but, you know, he's only four. And, you know, Mark wasn't scared to chuck him in the deep end in the hundred cut when Akuta came out. So, yeah, he, he you know, he, he got a pretty good run, but it's hard at Melton to come wide like he did over that last 400. And, yeah, as I said, he was closing quick on the line. So, you know, he's going to be hard to beat in the chariots, obviously. And, um, and you know, just shows Mark Purden's genius, you know, he just produces these horses year after year after year. And, they're always a factor in the big races. And Frankie Ferocious is at $4. Don't stop dreaming at two fifty with bet 365 for the Chariots of Fire. So that's going to be some race as well. Always plenty happening, lads. It's always a pleasure. Do you have a winner for us, Jack? Surely the carnival's starting to heat up. You've got something for us. Uh, yeah, I like my mare on Saturday night, race four, number six, I think, Belonga. Um, yeah. She's taken on one of Jason's mare. He's been declaring her last three months but I'm yet to see anything special so we're going to take him on this week alright then I love it when you're taking on Gremo Ants what are you doing yeah we've got a few racing this week Gareth I, I, High Point I tried to tip a couple of weeks ago he's racing tomorrow night again at Ballarat so I think he's pretty nice so I think he'd be hard to beat again and one under the puppet Chris Alford surely he draws his 8,000th <laughs> winner this week he's cost HRV a <laughs> fortune with the media just following him around each and every week Every day. Are they getting their money? They getting their money's worth, Gareth. I said if you'd done it a couple of weeks ago, it would have been over and done by now. But yeah. at least he's stretching it out, and uh, good for the game. But yeah, he'll get there one day. I'm a bit concerned too by Jack Calligan's hair the other day. Jack, he's got like I don't know what's happening. Like he, he's the blonde with the blonde tips. Like he's gone back in the 1990s. He's a stylish boy, that one. Yes, yeah. Maybe you could take a leaf out of his book. Always a pleasure, lads. <laughs> Thanks, God. There we go. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks, Jack.